Well, the scriptures are full of wisdom in teaching us how to keep us from destroying our lives. And God is ultimately trying to do that by giving us his laws and giving us his ways, giving us his teachings. But here in 1 Kings 22, you're going to see God is going to show us through the life of Ahab how to destroy your life. How to make four terrible decisions that ultimately will wreck everything about your life. And I think it is interesting that this chapter comes after what we saw in chapter 21. Because in chapter 21, we saw Ahab humble himself. We saw him seem to turn back to God and and put on sackcloth. And God observed that repentance, received that repentance, and delayed judgment because of that. However, time marches on and it seems that it did not last very long for Ahab and he returns to his old ways and living life just as he had before. And that's what sets up this scene of destruction then for Ahab at this moment. Uh, First Kings 22 verse 1 tells us that there's been three years of peace uh, between Israel and Syria, but Uh, The king of Syria now has taken one of the cities of Israel, Ramoth-Gilead, and this has become a problem. Now, I might remind you that back in 1 Kings 20, Ahab and the king of Syria, Ben-Hadad, had made, quote, an alliance and a pact, a peace treaty, that they would no longer do this sort of thing. And now after three years, Ben-Hadad has seized one of the cities of Israel. And I think it'd be fair, we could almost do a whole lesson here on, you didn't do what God said by putting Ben-Hadad to death. And now look, you're getting the repercussions uh, for not doing that. Here's now the consequences that Ben-Hadad is becoming a thorn in Israel's side yet again. It seems that we have in verse two, it's one of the times when the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, has gone up to Israel and is visiting with Ahab. And it seems this was a, a common occurrence of sorts. And while they're together, King Ahab then turns and says to Jehoshaphat, um, I've got this problem. The king of Syria has taken Ramoth Gilead uh, out, out of out of my hands. Verse three. And so he says to Jehoshaphat in verse four, will you go with me to battle at Ramoth Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are and my people as your people and my horses as your horses. And so essentially Jehoshaphat says, sure, whatever you want to do, that's what we're going to do. And I want to see that the starting point, first key to how to destroy your life is to have no desire to inquire of the Lord whatsoever. You notice that Jehoshaphat says, sure, we can do that. But then notice verse five, Jehoshaphat says, but let's ask God first. (laughs) Ahab, you are interested in just blazing ahead with your plans and doing what you want to do. And here you see a problem with the king of Syria and he's taken Ramoth Gilead. And Ahab's answer is, Here's what I'm going to do. Let's go and battle and get it back. And wisely, King Jehoshaphat says, well, shouldn't we be asking God about that? You read about Jehoshaphat later, but even more importantly, in the book of Chronicles, Jehoshaphat is highly proclaimed as a righteous king 
Although this moment is put a ding in him, as I was going to say, he shouldn't have been making these kinds of alliances and putting himself with, with Ahab uh, in this way. But to note that on the whole, Jehoshaphat is a very good king. And you see that here where Ahab says, let's go. And Jehoshaphat says, you know what? We need to inquire of the Lord. And I want us to see that this is really the first picture is that Ahab has no intention, no interest, no desire to seek the will of God at all. He doesn't care what God has to say. He doesn't ever ask for God's direction. He's not looking for God's word for guidance. He just wants to blaze right ahead with his life without consulting God. And thankfully, Jehoshaphat steps in, kind of puts on the brakes and says, we shouldn't just go doing whatever we want to do. We need to ask God first. We need to inquire of the Lord. We need to see what he has to say. And so this is the first thing that we see that Ahab is doing to destroy himself in this moment. He's just not even bothering to ask what God has to say. Jehoshaphat says, let's ask God. So verse 6 The king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said to them, Shall I go to battle against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. You know, so Ahab smiles. See, all good. Notice what Jehoshaphat says in verse 7. Is there not here another prophet of the Lord of whom we may inquire? It seems as if Jehoshaphat senses that was a little too easy. (laughs) There's something off about the 400 prophets saying, ah, go up and God's going to give you victory and give it all into your hand. Jehoshaphat seems a little skeptical of this and goes, well, is there actually another prophet of God, perhaps a real prophet of God that that we might be able to ask this about. Look at Ahab's answer, verse 8. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, but I hate him, for he never prophesies good concerning me, only evil. And Jehoshaphat said, uh, let not the king say so. <laughs> the king shouldn't say something something like this. And so in verse 9, Ahab then summons for Micaiah to be brought quickly. And while he is being summoned, verse 10 tells us Ahab and Jehoshaphat, they get on their royal thrones and they're dressed in their royal robes and their garments and they're looking very fancy. And all the prophets in verse 10 are prophesying before them. Verse 12 says, Here they're just prophesying over and over again. Go up to Ramoth Gilead and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. Verse 11 tells us one of these prophets, Zedekiah, he he gets some horns of iron and puts them together and starts walking around stabbing people with it saying, see, you're going to go up and win like this. And so there's this whole little fanfare going on in the middle of this. As everybody tells Ahab, go up. You're going to be just fine. You're going to have great success. Second way we destroy our life. First is you don't ask about God. You don't inquire of the word of God. And number two, surround yourself with only people who agree with you. Surround yourself with only people who agree with you. That's what he has done. 
His prophet circle are prophets who always tell him what he likes. He even admits it. He says that there's another prophet, but I don't ever like him. I, I, I hate him because he doesn't tell me good things. So I'm going to keep my prophets. I'm going to have them be the ones here that I inquire, that I seem to ask God about because they give me answers that I like. And friends, I think this is a, a very important consideration because not only does he surround himself with the people who always agree with him, he hates and cuts off those who don't. Now, he's not part of this. I need to go, go find this guy. You know, guy, yeah, my Micaiah, yeah, he's, he's somewhere around here. You know, but I mean, the 400 here are good enough, right? I, mean, I don't need that guy. He, I hate him. I don't like that guy because he doesn't tell me what I want to hear. And I only want to have people who tell me what I want to hear. It's a good thing we don't have that problem in our culture right now. Wow. I mean, that's really a big problem that we have right now is the idea that we will only surround ourselves and be friends with people who agree with us, who validate everything that we say and do, who never disagree with anything that we think. And the problem is if you take that to its furthest and logical extent, Eventually, you're not going to have any friends because there's going to be something at some point you're not going to agree upon. But we live in this culture right now. We can't be friends and we can't be around each other because we don't see eye to eye. We don't agree on some things, which is unbelievable. And that's what's happening here is Ahab is shooing away from him anybody who might have a differing point of view, anybody who might say something different. Might be something I don't even like. He just puts all those people out of his life. And only surrounds himself with those who agree with him. And we have to be careful as the followers of Jesus that we don't fall into that trap. We are not simply having friends who just simply always agree with us about everything we think, say, and do. Uh, The Proverbs wisely remind us that faithful are the wounds of a friend. Uh, those who are willing to walk into our lives and tell us what we need to hear are some of the most valuable friends rather than just surrounding ourselves with people who simply say yes to us. I think it is so important to think about the problems that arise with that. It's one of the reasons that I think what you see happening even in churches today is we'll we'll find a church that validates everything that I want to do in my life. However, I want to live my life. I'm going to find some place that teaches in such a way so that I can just keep doing whatever I want to do. And if you ever say something that I don't like, I'll just go somewhere else. Well, that's what Ahab has done. I'm just going to get only the prophets who speak all the wonderful dripping honeys to me. And I don't want to hear anything bad whatsoever. And so that's why you see the condition of, of churches today, even who are unwilling to teach the truth of what the scriptures say. Just talk vaguely about it. Don't tell anybody they're doing anything wrong or anything like that, because we don't want to hear that. We just want to make our buildings large and not worry about such things. I think it is so important that we are willing to listen to those kinds of things 
that we may be doing wrong to listen to correction, to rebuke, a redirection, and understand that that doesn't mean that we don't love each other or care about each other. I had one one time a person tell me uh, that I had hurt this person's feelings, and so that concerned me deeply. How did I hurt your feelings? And come to find out the way I had hurt the person's feelings is because I didn't agree with their life decision. And I said, I haven't hurt your feelings. You just don't like what I'm telling you. (laughs) There's a difference. I didn't hurt your feelings. You just aren't liking what I'm saying about what you're doing. And we have to be able to distinguish that. Sometimes we do like Ahab. Well, I hate anybody who doesn't agree with me and just burn them down and cut them off. Well, that is a way to destroy your life. That's what Ahab is doing right here. He wants to go to war and he will surround himself with everybody who says yes. Whoever tells me yes, they can be in my circle. But if you don't tell me yes, you're out of the circle. And that's where Micaiah finds himself as he is outside of that. We make messes of our lives when we surround ourselves with people who only agree with us. Some of the best people you can have in your life are the people who have the courage to tell you, you need to reconsider your ways. You need to think about the choice you're making. You need to watch out for that decision rather than just applauding everything that you do. But... They bring in Micaiah. You have to like how the scene unfolds in verse 13. The messenger goes to Micaiah, this prophet that that Ahab ultimately hates. And it is interesting that the messenger comes to Micaiah and kind of fills him in on what's going on. He tells Micaiah the words of the prophets are one accord and they are all favorable to the king. You know, it would be really great if your word would match what everybody else is saying. Don't be the one guy who's all by himself. Make it 401 prophets who all agree and give a favorable word to Ahab. I like what Micaiah says in verse 14. He says, as the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that is what I will speak. Friends, talk about some peer pressure. You're coming into the court of Ahab. Now we know what Ahab and Jezebel like to do to prophets. And Micaiah is being told 400 prophets have all given him a favorable response. You'd probably be wise to do the same. (laughs) And Micaiah says, I'm only going to say what God says. I don't care what Ahab wants and I don't care what 400 prophets others said. I'll only speak what God has spoken to me. And so he comes in before the king in verse 15. And Ahab says to him, Micaiah, shall we go up to Ramoth Gilead to battle or shall we refrain? Same question that was given to the 400 prophets. He gives it now to Micaiah and says, should we go up or should we not? Verse 15, Micaiah answered, go up and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. And you scratch your head, man, and you go, why did he say that? Notice verse 16, I think it explains it. The king then said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? You get the sense that Micaiah is a sarcastic sort. <laughs> For Ahab to say, how many times do I have to tell you to tell it to me straight? Sounds like every time Micaiah gets drugged in, he parrots everything that the other prophets say. And Ahab goes, come on now, 
Tell me what really God said. And now Ahab does it again. Uh, How many times have I put you under oath to tell me what the real message is, Micaiah? And Micaiah now says, oh, you want the real message? All right. Verse 17, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each one return to his home in peace. Now, understand what that's saying. Saying Israel is like sheep without a shepherd. Well, that means the king is dead. Israel's the sheep. Shepherd's gone. And they're all going to go, go home. So Micaiah just said, you're dead. <laughs> you are going to be like sheep without a shepherd. The Lord said they have no master. Ahab, you're not going to survive this. That's why Ahab says in verse 18, the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? You could just see the scene. Micaiah goes, oh, you want the truth. You're not going to survive. Israel's going to be like sheep without a shepherd, without a master. Ahab turns to Jehoshaphat and said, see this guy? I tell you what, he never says anything good about me. And that's why I don't ever bring him in here. (laughs) He never tells me what I want to hear. Well, Micaiah is not done in verse 19. He continues to describe the word of the Lord. said, ultimately, here's what happened. God is trying to figure out some way to bring you judgment And so there are lying spirits in the mouths of these prophets who are all telling you to go up because you're going to die in battle. And that's why they're all saying that. Well, Zedekiah, Mr. Guy with the Iron Horns, goes up to Micaiah and hits him in the face and says, how did the spirit of the Lord jump from me and come to you? And then notice what happens next. Verse 25, Micaiah said, you'll find out when you go into the ember chamber to hide for yourself. But notice Ahab's response. In verse 26, the king of Israel said, Seize Micaiah and take him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, put this fellow in prison and feed him meager rations of bread and water until I come in peace. Ahab says, I don't like that answer. Put him in prison, put him on meager rations, and he's going to stay there until I come back from this battle in peace. Micaiah's response, verse 28, if you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. (laughs) And Ahab knows he has. Ahab knows that he has. And that's why Micaiah says that. Third way to destroy your life. Don't listen to God. Absolutely do not listen to God. To what God says. That's what ultimately happens here. The true prophet of God comes in and gives the clear message. Here's what God says. If you go to Ramoth Gilead, you're going to die. You will not survive that battle. And Ahab's response is put him in jail. Put him in prison. Put him on meager rations. Not, thank you, Micaiah, for telling me what I needed to hear, for saving my life, for keeping me from a a potential disaster. No, his response is ultimately, I don't care what God has to say. Send him away. If you want to destroy your life, do not listen to anything that God says. Let the word of God just be an empty formality. 
You hear the word of God, you read the word of God, and and in essence, to put it in our language, it goes in one ear and out the other. That's what Ahab just did. That went in one ear and right out the other. It didn't even stop for a moment to register what Micaiah had said. Didn't even consider it for a moment. Just shoots right on through. And he doesn't care about that. He doesn't want to listen. He doesn't want to hear what God has to say. And he doesn't want to follow it. And I think this is such an important thing for us to consider when we think about what God is ultimately trying to do with his word. I've been recently had to buy my uh, child a car, send her to, to Florida College, and so she needs a vehicle and all that. Especially when you have daughters, you want them to be safe and not some clunker cars. <laughs> they have a car that would be reliable. And you buy the car, and it comes with this owner's manual and a quick start guide of all these things that you can read about what you can do with the car. Why does your car come with all of those things? Except to keep you from destroying your car. It tells you you need to change your oil and rotate your tires after so many miles and the general maintenance that needs to be performed. And if this light comes on, that's what that means for you. And here's what you should do if that light comes on and all the things you need to do. Does anybody ever read those directions in anger and say, I cannot believe how the car maker is just ruining my life with this car that I have to change the oil, rotate the tires, and pay attention to the lights on the dash. How dare they? It's for your good. It's trying to make your car not blow up after 5,000 miles. It's trying to maximize the value of the car's life while you possess it. Friends, that's all God is doing with his laws. That's all he's doing with you. And saying, I want to maximize your life. I don't want you to experience disaster. I don't want you to have those kinds of troubles. Let me tell you how to live your life. And we read this and go, oh, how could he do that to me? He's telling you how to change the oil and rotate the tires and what the lights mean when they come on. That's what this is all about, is preserving life, maximizing life, having what true joy ultimately is. He made you. He knows the directions on how you should live your life, just as the car maker made the car and knows the directions of what it needs to go well. And yet, like Ahab, what we do is we look at God and say, well, God, you are trying to limit my joy and keep me from enjoying life when God's doing the absolute opposite. And is trying to help you enjoy life and maximize joy to the fullest. And so often we don't look at it this way, but do we listen to what God has to say? Verse 29, let's look at the fourth way we destroy our lives. I find verse 29 to be perhaps the most stunning part of all of this text. Verse 29 says, Ahab and Jehoshaphat go to Ramoth Gilead. Now, maybe I'm not so surprised by Ahab, though I am a little surprised. If somebody just told you you're going to die there if you go there and he goes. 
But what does Jehoshaphat do? <laughs> Here's this righteous king. I'll be like, are you insane, buddy? You need to go. Uh, sorry, the real prophet says we should not go there and participate in this battle. And both of them go anyway. Not only that, in verse 30, somehow King Ahab convinces Jehoshaphat to allow Ahab to be in disguise and Jehoshaphat run around with the royal robes. And it almost gets Jehoshaphat killed is only because Ben-Hadad had made this interesting decree for this battle. I only want one person dead and nobody else. Ahab. It's a curious decree for a war. And yet that's the decree made. So as the men are about to kill Jehoshaphat, they realize it's not Jehoshaphat. I mean, about to kill Jehoshaphat, they realize it's not Ahab. And so they pull back and don't, don't kill him. But... How about this little scene that happens here? In verse 34, a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the scale armor and the breastplate. And therefore he said to the driver of his chariot, turn around and carry me out of the battle for I am wounded. In verse 35, He makes it until evening and then he dies and his blood flowed to the bottom of his chariot. I find verse 34 amazing. Here is this whole scene. You can imagine the whole battle that's going on and the the warfare that's raging between the, the nations here. And it says that a soldier just kind of pulls a bow, grabs an arrow, blink, and it kills Ahab. He wasn't aiming for him. Didn't even know what he was doing, apparently. Just kind of throwing an arrow out there. You know, there's a battle about. Just shoot some arrows. And it hits him perfectly. So that Ahab then dies in battle. The soldier didn't have a specific target. But God did. God did. What appeared to be at random, God was using to accomplish what he said would happen. Destroy your life in the fourth way. Go forward with your own plan anyway. Go forward with your own plan anyway. Do exactly what you want to do. Just go forward with your plans. Without regard for inquiring of the Lord. Surrounding yourself with people who all say, that's a great idea. You're you're brilliant. That's wonderful. And not listening to what God says. You just go forward with your own plan. I want us to think about this for a moment. This disaster was completely avoidable. All Ahab has to do is listen to Micaiah and not go to Ramoth Gilead and he lives another day. Disaster could have been easily avoided if he had just listened to what Micaiah said. And friends, that is just so true. Destruction can be avoided if we would just listen to what God is telling us to do. It can be avoided. He just had to listen. He just had to hear what God said and do it. He just had to do it. He read it in this frame of mind and it seems so simple, doesn't it? Just listen to what God says and disaster 
will be avoided. Crisis averted. No destruction. You can live another day. But he didn't listen. He carried on with his own life. I'm going to make just a couple simple applications. First of all, let's just start with a summary. I hope that you can see that it is very easy to destroy your life. Don't seek God's will. Surround yourself with a bunch of people who will only tell you what you want to hear. Make them all your friends and all of your enemies are the people who say something you don't like. Don't listen to what God has to say and just keep doing what you want to do. That's very easy to do, isn't it? (laughs) It's a really easy way to destroy your life. And it's easy. It's simple. No wonder it happens so easily and so frequently in people's lives. No wonder so many people find themselves with such life disasters because these four steps are very simple. Don't care what God has to say. All my my friends tell me I'm doing a great job, so I'm not going to do what God has to say and just keep on doing what I want to do. And you find your life a wreck. That's what Ahab did. And it led to his death. And we can do the very same thing in so many ways. We could spend the time with like all of the New Testament for this point. But let's just, I'll just take two passages. I'll take two passages that are passages I would say typically we resist. And we go, I I don't like that. And I'm just going to remind us, listen to what God says. Don't surround yourself with people who agree with your life plan, but follow what God says. For example, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither sexually immoral or idolaters or adulterers or homosexuals or thieves or the greedy or those who habitually drunk or verbal abusers or swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. We can listen and see that and go, well, I don't like what it says, and I'm going to go forward with my plan anyway. I'm going to live my life how I want to. And I want you to hear God with the owner's manual here saying, do you want to maximize life? If you want to enjoy the kingdom of God, don't be deceived. These are not the ones who are going to enjoy eternity with God. And he gives this list of those who will not do that. And these are things that as humans we sometimes want to be doing. And God is saying, listen, don't go that way. Don't follow that path. Or how about Galatians 5.19? The works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, Selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, anything similar. I'm warning you about these things. Here's the the red light on your car dash warning. I'm warning you. As I warned you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. These are the things that God is giving to us to try to help us. But what we so often want to do 
is that we think that we can disguise our sins like Ahab. We can, we can throw on a facade and God won't be able to find us and we can get away with the sins that we're committing. And surely he doesn't mean those kinds of things that, that that's going to be the case. Do not be deceived. Ahab was deceived, wasn't he? Ahab thought, here's what Micaiah says, thus says the Lord, and he makes his own decree. I'm going to come back in peace. And you let Micaiah stay in that prison until I come back in peace. I'm in control. I make my own decisions. I rule my life. I'll be back and I'll be just fine. And he died. And we do that with God. We look at his laws and go, oh no, I'll be just fine. I'm going to be okay. I won't wreck my life. Yeah, other people are wrecking their lives. But I'm not going to wreck my life. I'm going to be okay dabbling in these things. And I'll certainly be fine with God. We must be warned that we are not deceiving ourselves like Ahab and refusing to listen to God. Let me do, spend the last minute, couple minutes, minute or two, asking you just to take some reflection, some personal inner inventory for a minute on three different areas. I'm going to ask the exact same questions three in three different times. First of all, just think back over the past year. Just go back over how things have gone in your life over the past year, good, bad, and different, however it's been for you. And just ask yourself, what have you been doing that has been not seeking God's approval? And did you surround yourself with people who agreed with that decision and you blazed right ahead with your own desires? Because that's what Ahab did. Here's, here's what I do. And so I want us just to stop and take inventory. Think back over the last year. Are there things that I was doing where I didn't seek God's approval? I wasn't seeking the will of God. I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. And I got enough people around me to agree with me and make me feel good about those decisions. And so I did them. That's the path of Ahab. And think about what we do often in trials and suffering. Same three questions. When we're suffering, we talked about trials this morning. So let's bring that back around again. And we're going through those hardships. What did we do in, while in the trial that wasn't seeking the will of God? Wasn't seeking his approval? Did we surround ourselves with people who agreed with the direction that we were going and decided to blaze on ahead and making our own decisions without doing what God wanted us to do? That's easy to do in trials. Things get hard in life to just, uh, you know, forget every, everything that God says. I got to take care of myself and figure all this out. We need to be careful in trials and suffering that we seek the will of God. We think about what does God want me to do in this circumstance? And the people who are always agreeing with us may be completely wrong. We might have 400 prophets who are just outright lying to us and saying, that's the way you need to go. And that's the right decision to make because I know things are hard. So you do this. We're not seeking the will of God. We blaze ahead with our own decisions. Finally, same three questions. Just think about your life plans. How many times do we plan without seeking God's approval, surround ourselves with people who all agree with our plans, and then blaze ahead with doing our own plans? This is the message of what 1 Kings 22 is all about. Is that this is why Ahab was judged. This is why Ahab suffered destruction and it was all avoidable because he did not seek the will of God 
He surrounded himself with people who only agreed with him. He disregarded what God had to say and went forward with his own plans. We need to be careful that we don't do those four things because they will destroy our lives, cause us heartache and misery in this life. And as the Apostle Paul said, don't be deceived. Such thinking will not cause us to inherit the kingdom of God. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we live in a time that encourages us. It just encourages us to disregard your ways and to do what is right in our own eyes. Lord, I pray that you would break that thinking if that's in our minds and in our hearts. And that we would always seek your will for everything we do in this life. That we would look to you, that we would look to your word, that we would turn to you in prayer for everything that we do. Lord, help us to not be wise in our own eyes. And to think that we know what is best for our lives. But encourage us, Lord, to seek you in everything we do and and resist us when we don't. And Lord, forgive us for when we have not been seeking your will. When we've surrounded ourselves only with people who agree with us and we cut off people who don't. Forgive us for when we don't listen to what you have to say. We just let it go in one ear and out the other. And forgive us, Lord, for us, for how often we blaze ahead with our own plans and our own decisions. Lord, thank you for being a merciful God. Thank you for giving us this warning manual that reminds us of how to live our lives. And God, forgive us for the times we've ignored the directions that you've given to us. God, we ask that you would change our hearts to look at you and look at your word differently, that we would never see you as trying to hold us back, but that you were trying to maximize the joy that we can have with you and have in this life. Help us to see that you are giving us the path to freedom and the path to true living and that you're not holding us back. Sin holds us back. Help us to see that, Lord. And forgive us for when we fail to understand it. Lord, forgive us for when we have made disasters of our lives because we've ignored your ways. And we pray that you would heal our lives and restore us as we seek you. Help us to turn our eyes back to you and put us back on the right track so that we can follow you faithfully again. Lord, thank you for your son that makes all that possible. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope you'll think about your life and think about your situation and that you'll consider how not to destroy your life like Ahab did. Four simple things, easy things that we do that really can be easily avoided. Can we help you in any way come to Jesus to turn away from your sins, to respond to the invitation of being a follower of him? If there's any way we can do that, we ask you to come now.